Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. What's going on, Sebastian? Hey, man. Um, got a got a decent amount of topics to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, at least for me, it was, uh, it was a little bit of a lighter week, just because of the... Just because there was not not much going on, I know you had a tournament last weekend, right? Yeah, it was up at the Steel United uh, Girls Showcase up at up in Aston, PA. Yep, nice little drive. How was it? It was it was good. Competition was really good. Um, team played well. <laughs> um, again, uh, a lot of the girls are fairly new to travel soccer. High school players, um, very young squad, so they're adapting and learning. But um, you know, I can can't say anything negative just a lot of positive things based on how they performed throughout the weekend they got better um and i was actually in a game and result wise it was the worst game we played um and in the tournament but i sat there and i looked at one of the players i said if you just walked up to this field right now what do you think the score would be and she was like you know one nothing zero zero i was like yeah i feel the same exact way like i think we were down like three or four nothing at the time but i'm like it doesn't feel like you're down. Like the way we're playing, the effort we're putting in, the the back and forth nature of the game, it doesn't feel like three or four nothing. Yeah. There were there was a moment we talked about moments after the first game, and we gave up a goal. I was like, this is a moment. I was like, don't you know, don't drop the level of play. Like go back, go right back at them. Right. Um, and it was good because the, the ladies responded well, and I mean, of course, we ended up losing the game. But it was it was good to see that they were positive and that they responded and they still had the energy because I mean I've been in games where it's been three or four nothing and I, and you don't really cross midfield, you don't have any attacking chances, you're not getting shots on goal. Yeah. But like this is like a weird game where it's like, man, it could have been a one nothing game. It could have been a zero zero game, you know, with some more experience. You know, they've shown that we can compete with some of these teams. It's just like those little mistakes that we make that kind of shoot ourselves in the foot. Yeah. But overall, really good weekend. Um, I want to applaud <laughs> one of my players. She, um, I'm so excited that the ball got played to her outside the 18. Nobody in the goal and just hit it one time and skied it. And then uh, responds the next day and takes a touch and finishes like really calm and composed. Um, nice. Into a corner. I'm just like, there you go. That's good. It's just good coaching right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you really you, you really want to congratulate the player but you really ultimately want to congratulate yourself i just said man i'm just a, a, every like i'm just like man i'm just a really good coach because <laughs> you make those coaching points your players apply it it's like, man guy's good <laughs> no but it was a cool um that showcase uh per se because obviously the complex right is very tucked in and close together there's three turf fields back to back to back it was cool yeah. um saw a lot of former players a lot of delaware based players um there um you know we played our two teams that we had for delaware football academy ended up playing hokeston at the same time so saw a lot of players we knew there um so that was pretty cool but overall good weekend good close to the 2023 season which was good um told rj next year we're going to rally because it was cold <laughs> I got back home. I said, yo, this is where we're going next year. He was like, no, absolutely, man. This is miserable. I was like, yeah. That's so, funny. Um, no, it was overall, it was a good weekend for both groups. Got to watch his group play a little bit, um, which is good. Um, you know, obviously you always want to support, you know, another another team in your club if you can. Yep. Um, so it was good. I mean, overall, good weekend. Can't complain. And for some reason, we're playing in February, so it'd be, be another cold one. Um, hey, that that uh that Pen Fusion uh, Winter Showcase is is that's the staple, man. I love that. I love that tournament. No, absolutely, and I mean, obviously, word's gotten out because they're they're closing this down next week. Yeah, um, usually, it usually gets pretty. It's a very it's a highly competitive tournament. I've done it a bunch of times, and it's. What I enjoy about it is the fact that it's the, um, especially at least from a Delaware standpoint, um, it's the it's the last tournament for high school, right? So, so everyone's trying to. It's it's a it's a at least for me and my prior experiences of it, 
It's a tournament where there are some risk, but not a ton of them taken by the players, which is a, it's a kind of a fine little fine, good balance of competitiveness. And like with a little bit of just like, Hey, let's just, you know, we're cautious about you know, the high school season coming up. So I, I, I thoroughly enjoy the tournament. Yeah. I mean, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good closeout tournament for, for the Delaware based players. Um, for the most part where, you know, we aren't going to do too much in the spring. Um, but yeah, looking forward to that. And then we, we'll have another one in Maryland or Virginia. Actually, we're looking at two tournaments that are played at the same complex, just on different weekends. Oh, that's cool. I'm trying to figure out which one to go to. That's cool. But nice. We'll see. All right. Ran into your boy, uh, ran into a couple of people there too that we know. Yeah. One um, we've had on the podcast, Matt Ralph. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting there like, who's this guy taking pictures of me? <laughs> it's Matt Ralph. Got to find those pictures. I'm like, man, that's some good. I said, that's good publicity when you know people. Yeah. You, you, did you message him? Did you text him? And... No, I'm supposed to get his contact info from you, actually. Oh, okay. I'm actually supposed to get two people's contact info from you. And then I ran into Wendell, man. I run into Wendell from Lancaster Inferno. Yeah. Every showcase, you run into this guy. Um, It's nice talking to him. Um, Kind of cool yeah. what they're doing. They got a partnership with FC Arizona or FC Phoenix or something. Where they swap players because in Arizona they play through the winter, obviously, because it's probably like the coldest time of the year in Arizona. Yeah. So they'll have players go down there and play tournaments. And then they'll have players come up in like the spring and come and play tournaments with the Inferno. So like kind of like a little swap deal there. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Um it's gotta be a it's gotta be a UWS connection, right? That's what that's immediately what I thought. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Well, we'll hopefully have some UWS um, diamonds updates in the next couple of weeks for everybody. Uh, not ready to announce anything yet, but, but hopefully in a couple of weeks we'll have some announcements and some information. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk about the U17 World Cup final. France against Germany. Um, and what was a pretty good game. Um, I think the interesting part was uh Germany was Germany was uh up a goal in the first half then France tied it and then very quickly uh actually sorry uh Germany was up two goals and then um France got one back pretty early in the second half and then in the last five minutes of the game France tied the game uh pushed it into overtime nothing happened in the one 10 minute overtime or no one what I tell you it was one 10 minute overtime um I'm gonna get some rules. Yeah, it's one one ten minute overtime, and then after that it went straight into PKs. Um in in where Francis PK takers were absolutely awful. It's because they all play for what's that other country? <laughs> New Caledonia? Yeah, that's because all the all the PK takers probably are New Caledonia. <laughs> it it was a pretty bad um honestly, it's a pretty bad uh France, pretty bad PK PK a leg up on everybody. They got player pools in the U17 I mean, World Cup. France France missed three, three out of five. Uh Germany missed two out of five, six PK takers. Uh in total. Um it was it was just pretty bad. Yeah, I think France is um pretty poor ahead performance. International. You got you got player pools entering two teams into a tournament and then the top bracket. <laughs> they're ahead of the game. That's funny. Uh so yeah, so so they so they're the uh they're the World Cup champions. Um so the U17 World Cup gets played every two years, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Uh so 2025, uh it's still TBD as far as uh who is going to be who's gonna be playing it. Um <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure. Um. Oh, actually, sorry. Hold on a second. Hold on, you got to check your email for. Well, no, 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 no. So, so the so currently, um, currently, uh, the, it's a, it was in a two year cycle. Now, from twenty twenty four, the tournament will take place annually, and we'll have forty eight participating teams divided into four mini tournaments of twelve teams, 
each of out in the three groups of four, with the winners and the best runner-ups qualifying to the MT semifinals, the mini tournament semifinals, and then the two winners qualifying into the final. The winners of each mini tournament would qualify for a final four tournament with two semifinals, a third place match to decide the FIFA U17 World Champions. Sounds like too many tournaments. It it does sound a little chaotic, to be honest with you. Sounds like four tournaments merging into one tournament. It's like a state cup qualifier. It's kind of crazy. I think they should just call it a qualifier. Yeah, I mean, I get, it. I get it. You're trying to ultimately promote more more countries to, to put more infrastructure in the younger divisions that then hopefully leads to older ones, but still. France about to have like four teams in there. <laughs> France uh, about to have a team in every every little tournament. That's funny. Um, just as a fun little U seventeen trivia, uh, do you know the country that's won the most amount of U seventeen World Cups? Which, by the way, the the U seventeen World Cups used to be the U sixteen World Cup, and then in nineteen ninety one, it um um was changed to the U-17 is it a, championship. And then is it a UEFA team? It is not. All right. Brazil. Brazil's second. Argentina. No, Argentina's never won. Argentina's never made the final. Is it a CONCACAF team? It is not. South American team? Nope. No, Brazil's second. Is it an AFCON team? It is. Ghana? Nope. Ghana's third with two World Cups. Nigeria has five U17 World Cup titles. Um, (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) Um, Nigeria has five, and then they've also been runner-ups three times. I don't think all their players are 17. So 85, 93, 07, 2013, and then 2015. Um, they won and then 87, 2001, and 2009, they were runners up. Victim no third up. place or fourth place. So for them, it's either semifinals, it's we're in the finals. They've never lost a semifinal game. Yeah, Victor Mendes has probably played on all those teams. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Brazil with four, um, Ghana with two, Mexico also with two. And then Germany just won its first, then France, Soviet Union, Saudi Arabia, Switzerland, England, all with one. England won the 2017 one, um, which uh, probably, I would assume, uh, let's see, the 2017 World Cup squad for England uh, included Phil Foden, Jaden Sancho, um, Colm Hudson Adoy, uh, Emil Smith Throw, um, Connor Gallagher, Morgan Morgan Gibbs White. So a decent a decent amount of players that we now know. Not bad, not bad, not a bad, not a bad crew. No, not at all. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting for sure. Um, the one that's also really interesting is I think the, the interesting part for um, like the U.S. is not a lot of those players make it to the senior squad, and not a lot of those players end up playing. Like they end up playing in the USL. Like the if you US, look back historically. For the US, you mean? Yeah. Like if you look back historically, like I'm just gonna look at the the twenty seventeen one just because I have that pulled up. There. I mean the nineteen ninety nine one was the, the the it was a fourth place finish and that was the furthest that the that the US has ever gotten. Yeah. I'm just talking about the squad like the players from the squads. Yeah. This never, never translates. 
So who's on that squad? Um, give me the current squad. I don't want the current squad. I want the... I'm trying to get the all right. So the 2017, uh, Brazil won. Brazil won that one. Uh, Vinicius Junior was on that team. Yeah, he's probably all. Yeah, so just to kind of give you some perspective on who was on that squad, it was uh, it was Vinny was in that. Oh, here's the full squad. I got the full squad of the 2017 World Cup now. Yeah, I mean, you got James Sands, Josh Sargent, Timothy Weyer, Serginio Dest, Taylor Booth, Brian Reynolds, right? Yeah. But what happened to all these other guys? (laughs) (laughs) All these other guys, like Chris Goslin is just an American soccer player. That's this is that's his bio. This is an American soccer player. That's his bio. That's all it says. Yeah, and like this other guy plays New Mexico United. This guy plays for St. Louis. Yeah, like they all like they don't really pan out. Yeah, I mean, at this point, the U seventeen squad or the the twenty seventeen squad would be the squad that right now. We would, we would know about right. Like, yeah, that's not, that's why I said twenty seventeen, right? Because they're that seventeen. They're right at the cut. Some of them are on first teams. They're playing, um, and then some of them are are probably right on the cusp. But or like they're probably training with their first teams. Yeah, we're getting ready to make a move into. You know, they're they're right there. I mean, so so that 2015 World Cup for Nigeria. So 2015 U17 World Cup for Nigeria. Well, tell uh, me Victor Moses is on the screen. No, 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 no. Victor, Victor Asime is still yeah, there. Is there. Who's out here? <laughs> huh? You mean Victor Moses? No, 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 no. Uh, who is currently 24 years old and is killing it in Napoli right now. Um, so that, that gives you a little bit of right away. And at the time you, at the time he was playing in Nigeria. Yeah. Why the U-17 World Cup for the, on the men's side is so important. It is 100% a way for players to be seen. Yeah. Because um, from that, from that tournament, um, from the 2015 one, he gets to, he moves from there to Wolfsburg. By the way, right? Like, I mean, that's and that's what I mean. Like, right? Like, you're you're next up. Like, if you're a Phil, like a Phil Foden, for example, is probably already playing for City. Yeah, like he's already established in City. Same with a couple guys you mentioned that played for Arsenal. Yeah, well, I mean, if you even if you look at uh, Samuel Chukwueze, who plays for who played at Villarreal before and now plays at AC Milan. Same thing, right? Gets picked up by Villarreal in 2017. Yeah, right. Time, so like, all that's 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 where all that stuff comes from. Like this guy played for West Brom in the 2015 World Cup for um for the U.S. Yeah. So maybe he signs this after the 2015. Like maybe he has a strong showing, and then ends up in the USL. Yeah, which is a shame. Yeah, because it says he, well, he was in the Union Academy. He was in the City Academy. Or no, maybe he moved to England. He was in the West Brom Academy. Yeah, he ends up making him. Well, he was already playing for the West Brom Academy at the time. Tim Weah. Yeah, what? I mean, you got Austin Trusty, Hanji Ray, Luca Della Torre, Pulisic. Virginia Dest. Virginia Dest. Virginia Dest is not on the 2015 squad. No, 2017 World Cup. Oh, 20... I'm looking at the 15. I'm Brings talking about 2017. Tyler Adams, Alejandro, and Dejas. Yeah. But then it's like, who are these other guys? What happened to them? It's even the 2017 one. You would figure at this point, a lot of these these players have all kind of made it in there. 
And so far, I mean, this 2017, but it, but that's the thing, right? So the, you feel like the 2017 World Cup squad should have that that should have they should have done better, right? Like, I feel like that would have been a, a a much better. Yeah, they barely. Well, I mean, they got they won they won two games and lost one. They lost to Colombia, three one. And then after that, they moved on to the next stage. Um, they moved on to the knockout stage, and they lost. They beat Paraguay five nothing, and then they lose four one United to England. So, yeah. I mean, look at, not to discredit at, anything, like I think, especially when you look at a United States standpoint, doing a good job of establishing and finding players. Yeah, but it's like. Like even looking at the 2019, you know, Joe Scali, George Bello, Gianluca Buzio, who's a forward at that time. Yeah. Ricardo Pepe, Giovanna Reina, and then Tavon Gray, who who distanced and went to Jamaica. Like, I mean, you're there's five, there's consistently like five or six players. Yeah. But it's like where are they going? Look at, so if you look at this 2017 squad, for example, uh James Sands. Uh, who is on loan? It's on loan at Rangers right now. Uh, Ayo Akinola, San Jose Earthquakes. Josh Sargent, Timothy Weah, Serginio Dest, uh, Georgia Costa. No relation to me. Uh, the MVP. Brian Reynolds, who was at Roma for a little bit and now is still in Italy, isn't he? No, he's playing in the Belgian league. A little bit slower pace for him. Yeah, and then that's it. I mean, again, you feel like you still have enough um, that you feel like you should have done more with it. But maybe you don't. I don't know. I mean, of course, you find like the Brendan Aronsons, right? The guys that didn't ever play in these squads that Emerge and have good professional careers fly under the radar a little bit. Yeah. But so what's happening to the development of these guys? Yeah, but even if you look at the Germany one, the Germany one, I don't know that I don't I know now granted I'm not as familiar with the German league with the Bundesliga, but I don't I don't really know a lot of those players. Um for Brazil in the twenty seventeen one, there's some, not many. Um, look at Spain. Look at Spain. This one's fun. Ferran Torres, Eric Garcia on the, on that, on that squad. Um, if you look at New Caledonia and the new, the 2017 world cup, look at that. Don't tell you that's the French B team. (laughs) Um, Couple PSG players in the France one. Uh, let's see, Chile, England. Phil, we talked about that already. Yeah, and that was it. So, all right. Well, let's move on. Um, Columbus Crew. Yeah, with the dub. Um, two one against LAFC. I watched the entire first half. Uh, and Columbus was absolutely dominant after the goal. They were they were they were doing well before the PK, and then after the PK, it was just fifteen minutes of um of just going at them. Um, and I thought it's interesting because, and, and I think this is the interesting part about the MLS, right? Columbus hadn't made the playoffs in like three or four years in a row, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they make the playoffs. Coming in as a sixth or seventh seed or something like that in the East, um, make it through some pretty tough matches, and then all of a sudden you find yourself as the MLS Cup winner. I mean, I think that's. I want to say that's what they try to do with the playing game in the first round. They kind of level the playing field, like give you a chance. Because I mean, if you look at Columbus, they had to play all three games in the first round. Um, Atlanta beat them in the second game four right, two. Yeah. Um. So I think they try to like you know, level the playing field and, and make it difficult um, and see if you're, if you can get a team like this, that's, that's battle ready and just competes and competes at every level. Um, 
But I thought they played well. I mean, they used they definitely used their money wisely to to get players like Diego Rossi is a good player. Well, um, you gotta think they they had a huge loss in the summer break with Zelarian leaving. Mm-hmm. But they bring in Diego Rossi, right? You kind of yeah. You bring in a guy that's played in the MLS before, plays at played at a high level or can play at a high level. And I mean, I think they got that dude. Uh, what's their forward name? Cucho, Cucho, yeah, Cucho, Cucho? <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you got a forward that's over there. I mean, played at a high level too, scoring goals. I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, when you look at that's the interesting part about um, they use their money wisely. Well, but when you look at Cucho Hernandez and where he, you know, you're like, all right, like he's, you know, he's he's coming in from Wolves. Um. Uh, hold on a second. Let me make sure I have the, the, the right the right player. Yeah. Um. Uh, he's coming in from Wolves. Um. Kucho Hernandez. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, he's coming in on loan, right? He's on loan technically from. Um. Oh, sorry, Watford, not Wolves. Uh, actually, no, they bought him. They bought him straight up. Yeah, they bought him in 2021, I think. 22. Um, so you got you got a player that ultimately is going to... has played in the Premier League, then went and played in La Liga. Um, so you got somebody that that knows and at the same time he's only 24 years old yeah like isn't that crazy he's only 24 and he's been a professional player since he was 15 years old yeah yeah i mean they they i think they they had players in the right areas of the field to be successful i mean darlington nagby i think he won his what third or fourth mls cup yeah Pivotal player for them in the midfield. Um, you know, he brings that experience you need um, to just you know go through the grind and, and know what it what it's like to to compete for the playoffs. But they they just had the right players in the right spots. You know they spent money wisely. I mean we we just named all three of their their designated players right Diego Rossi, Cucho Hernandez, and Darlington Nagby. They all play. You know, yeah. midfield or higher up the field, and they were critical in that game yesterday to <laughs> knock off LAFC. Yeah, I mean their homegrown player Aiden Morse was was pivotal too in that um, throughout the throughout the match. Yeah, so I think they just—I mean—they use their money wisely. <laughs> to to be competitive, right? And then you just you find guys, you find some guys that can that can compete. It might not be you know Watford guys or high level guys. You find some guys that can compete and want to battle and, and and put a good squad together. I think they had a decent squad. Yeah, and they and I think they peaked at the right time. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's just funny that, that the you know if you look at the top five of the supporters shield, which is the east and west standings put together just one table for the entire league you've got the three seed playing the eight seed so lafc was eighth in the supporter shield uh standings yeah columbus was the 13th so when you look at it from that perspective it wasn't like it was number one playing number two or one playing three or one playing like it was the three seed playing the eight seed so which is why, league. well, which is why the year before 2022 was such a anomaly to a certain extent. First time the first and second seed have ever played each other, or the top two seeds from each conference have ever played each other. Yeah, I think it was. I think that's interesting too. Um, that you know, it wasn't the best teams all year. It wasn't, and it wasn't St. Louis, right? Like St. Louis, everybody talked yeah. about St. Louis all year. It wasn't them. It wasn't Inter Miami. It was a three seed playing the four, the eight seed. Well, I think I think it does make the league competitive. I think, and we'll talk about relegation here in a couple of minutes when we switch topics. But, but I do think it's interesting because it. 
I mean, it's no different than what happens in any other. I think the MLS is ultimately done what every other uh, sports in the United States does, which you can have three or four bad years, and then in one or two years, be able to turn around and win a win a title. Yeah, I mean, the difference with this is difference with soccer is you can spend money on a player that, like, again, spend money on a player, you sign a player for free that immediately changes your squad. I mean, I think it happens in basketball. Basketball. Yeah, basketball happens all the time. Yeah, but you you have to go to the salary cap. You think about that. Yeah, I mean, you still have technically... Well, I guess not with your DPs, right? No, with your DPs, you could just, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, the only sport, I guess baseball is the only sport where there's no salary cap where you could just buy, you could buy talent. Yeah. But for soccer, right, you buy a player like Diego Rossi midseason and he immediately changes the aspect of your team. What do you think would happen if at any given point, if the MLS finally went into a relegation promotion system? Well, I think they would have to. Do you think you would ever see that again? They would have to invest. They would have to. So I'm guessing it would be USL, right? Would be your second division. Unless, yeah. yeah, You would have to invest highly in the USL. Yeah. Because you got to bring, one, you got to bring those stadiums up to a state. Like, they have to have a certain standard. Yeah. And the level of play has to rise. Yeah. Because then all you end up with is... Who was the worst team this year? Like D- you say, like a DC United gets relegated, right? Yeah, they play in a huge stadium. You know they got Christian Benteke. Um, like they've got some players that you know, and all they're going to do is just wax everybody in the USL and go back up. But then they're just not good enough. They're not good enough for the MLS because their team just goes up and down and up and down. So there's going to have to be a huge investment of money. Someone's going to have to be like the Premier League. You got to invest money in those teams. I think. I think. The, I think the scarier part. I, I get your point. I think the scarier part would be if it was the other way around. If you saw a team that got relegated and an MLS team that got relegated and couldn't come back up. Yeah, I think you would. I think that would. I think it would take a huge hit. Knowing, knowing culturally what happens in this country. With sports, there are only limited markets that could actually handle that. Yeah, I, and I mean, to your point, yes. Now that depends on just like in the in the Premier League, right? Do guys when they go down? Do guys say, "Well, I'm not playing"? Like Jamie Vardy, for example. Yeah, sticks with. Leicester City when they get yeah, but because he's also in his late thirties at this point. Like, I don't think he has a choice. But do guys go <laughs> down or do guys like I'm thinking of it like a Ben Teke, right? Does he yeah. say, no, nah, I'm, I'm a first division guy? Just put the prim the simple example of Inter Miami. Inter Miami gets relegated. What happens to Messi, Busquets, Jordi Alba? Right. Yeah. Or like Toronto, right? Who's got one of the highest payrolls? They got the, the all their Italians. Yeah. Or you know, Zach Steffen's rumored to go to Colorado. Yeah, you know, I saw that. So, like, does he still make that move to Colorado, or does he play for? I mean, if it was up to, listen, if you're Zach Steffen, you make any move that gets you on a soccer field. Yeah. Because everything that you had, every all your hype disappeared and went away. Um, I think. Yeah, I know. I I just I genuinely don't know that if again I growing up in South Florida, um, I I lived in the bandwagon era of every sport in South Florida. Uh, for the most part, the only one that ever really found some decent amount of success was the um, um, was the Heat that were consistent. The Marlins won that one, um. World Series in there somewhere, and then they move to a new stadium, and nobody ever goes because the team is terrible. And you can actually, they got to the point where the the attendance is so low at that stadium on a consistent basis. They do dog nights where people can bring their dogs. Yeah, could you imagine? Like, but I don't see that ever happening. But see, again, that goes back to the the 
culture in certain markets, right? If the Eagles were to ever not play in the NFL and play in whatever, call it whatever you want, I feel like the link would still be packed. Yeah. But I don't know if the Union Stadium would do that because the Union, because we saw it this year. Well, you and I both went to games that were empty. Yeah, the, the cup games. Yeah. But that's what I think that's what actually even the, the playoff game wasn't even that full. I think that's key about the market though, because for example, I'm looking at the USL standing standings, right? So yeah. Phoenix goes up. Let's say let's say the top two teams, right? And the bottom two teams. So Phoenix replaces a Toronto and and Charleston, South Carolina, the Charleston battery replace a Colorado. Is Phoenix a major city like Toronto? No. Yeah. Right? Sure, it's warmer. Yeah, it allows you to play games in a better climate, but that doesn't, it's not a like-for-like switch. And then Charleston, maybe because you put a market in an area where really you only have Atlanta United, I'm sure Charlotte's there, like you kind of... Yeah. Kinda you put somebody market. in the middle. But Charlotte Stadium only fits five thousand people. Yeah. So, so realistically, what are they, what are they expected to do? Because I don't know that in Charleston, where do you play? You go play at a college stadium. I mean, you would probably have to do that. So it's like, what do you do next? Where would it be call it college Charleston, right? Yeah, or like Coastal Carolina or something. Yeah. But like that's the other thing, right? Is are they realistically MLS ready if they get promoted? No, I think that's why. I think that's why it's easy to, for us to talk about the fact that it's promotion relegation system. But I think it would make it extremely difficult. I think your point. You're right. Like the infrastructure is just not there to be able to do that. Yeah, and then yeah. I mean, I'm sure that I mean I'm not doubting the players' abilities, but you're gonna have to also. I mean, you're going to have core players that can play, but you're also going to need to inject some players that raise a level. Yeah, for sure. Make you competitive. Yeah. You're going to have to have a, to a certain extent, to your point before, you're going to have to have some sort of Jamie Vardy-like figure to go play for one of those recently relegated teams. Or to, or you're gonna have to have uh, another team that's in the USL, for example, that goes out and spends some money to get themselves promoted for the first time because of a Jamie Vardy like figure. Yeah, and I, and the other thing I, you think about that's where Josie Altidore comes right back in. Yeah, well, that, and that's what you don't want. <laughs> when you compare, because when you compare it to like the U.S. Open Cup, that's a one-off game where like the, you say like the Pittsburgh yeah. Riverhounds are are very competitive in the Open Cup. Yeah. I think they beat, they might have beat Columbus this year, but that's it's a one-off game. game. That's not 40 yeah. no. or 38, however many games they play. It's, you can't, that's 34. consistency, having uh, players coming in and, and depth yeah. to, to be able to compete. Yeah. Um, all right, let's quickly, let, or let's transition over to another retirement story or relegation story slash retirement. So Santos was relegated after 111 years. Um, in Brazil's, listen, I've 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 followed South American soccer for a long time. I still don't 100 understand the Brazilian league system because it's complicated. Because they have like three different leagues going on. Two of them, I think, go on at the same time. Sometimes it's it's kind of crazy. But ultimately, Santos is relegated to the second division after 111 years. So they are retiring the number 10 jersey until, until they get promoted again. <laughs> no one's allowed to use the number 10 jersey until uh, they are promoted again to the first division. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I think that, um, I mean, I, I think it's appropriate, but I also think like you got more, you got a lot more. If you're getting relegated for the first time in 110 years, you got bigger problems. Well, they well the entire like the entire uh, league this past year was called the Pele League or something like that in memory of the fact that Pele passed away last year. Um, 
And then Santos at every home game in the 10th minute of the game, the entire fans would all start cheering and chanting because of, you know, in memory. Argentina had done that with Maradona a couple of years ago too. Um, but but it was interesting that, yeah, they're retiring because of... They're Pele. not doing a good job of memorying one of those guys. Well, that's what they're saying. That's the whole point is like, well, we're gonna just not going to wear the jersey until... It's not why they try to score like goals in the 10th minute or have try to have... Um, <laughs> Try to have um, ten players score a goal in a season, score ten goals in a game. Like that would be better. So score ten goals in a game. <laughs> Try not to give up ten goals in ten <laughs> games. Like, there's so many other ways to to use the number ten. No nah, man, they're they're just retiring that jersey until someone gets promoted until they get promoted. Oh, they're not doing a good job of it. No one's good enough. The question is, who do you think is going to wear it? Do you think someone's going to wear what you think? You think someone's going to try to get creative? It's Brazil, right? So, like, wear number one hundred, one hundred, zero one, zero one, and then they score a goal, and you bring a mirror out for the celebration. I mean, if you want to be, if you want to, if you want to get real, right? Because you got relegated. One so plus zero. One plus the, one. Technically, you're not playing like a first team, so then now everybody has to play with numbers forty or higher. <laughs> That's how, like, that, if you want to make a statement, like, hey, you guys want to be a first team? Kick it in Mexico style, Liga MX style, you're playing 197. Yep. Everybody's jerseys numbers just changed from 40 or higher. There you go. That's good. Yeah. Um, all right. And then one other piece of news before we move on to the player of the match. Um, the former Houston Dash coach, um James Clarkson is suing the NWSL um and the w- NWSL player association the NWSL PA um for um defamation of character um right defamed himself so he he got fired or he was his contract was not renewed because of allegations um of of um violent conduct or violent treatment of players um and now he says he's going to sue the team um because uh he no longer um he feels like he was wrongly accused and nothing was wrong Dude, just let it go. Well, he's saying he's not, he hasn't been able to get a job because of it. Well, start. You should start off by working for free, letting people know your true intentions. <laughs> Or go work somewhere where it's not soccer related, where you're not allowed to be in front of women and you can easily, you know. You should start off by working at his local, wherever he lives, recreational program. Do you think he would pass a safe sport? That's between him and his safe Well, I guess in theory, he was never charged with anything legally. So in theory, he should pass a safe and sport. Him and, and, the, and the volunteers that elect him. But yeah. I think if you, wanna, if, if, if you feel that your name has been defamed, do something right. Like, not do something right, but do something for the right reasons, right? Like if you want to get a, get a job, like go volunteer, go do something in the community, go run a free clinic, like use your skill set yeah. to rebuild your character, rebuild your name. Wasn't that that movie that, that they did about the, uh, there was a movie that, um, about the former um, Saints coach. Andy, sure. Andy, whatever. I don't know. Is that his name? Uh, you're talking about the guy that was like doing the bounties? Yeah. Yeah, he might have. And then they they did a they did a movie about him where he went and coached his son like middle school team or something like that. Or help coach yeah. this isn't coach or whatever. Well, that's what the Northwestern uh football coach did. Um, because he was accused of like hazing and stuff. He's coaching, but I mean a lot of people go and coach their like kids' teams, but that's easy. Right? Because that's your kid. And any coach, one, if you're coaching, yeah. Say I'm coaching a youth team and 
I know that like let's use Gio Reyna for example. I know Gio Reyna is on my like U team. Like obviously you know his dad's probably a little bit smarter than you and knows a little bit more. And yeah. if he says, Oh man, I just got fired from NYCFC. I want to help out coach my son's team, of course you're gonna say yeah, because one, you're probably gonna get a news article written about, it. you're probably gonna get interviewed. And two, like why wouldn't you turn that down? So like the thing is, why won't he go just do it for like his local club, right? You don't know anybody, you have no ties, you have no attachments. Boom. Go out to the parks and rec and go help with their recreational program and build it up, right? You get good press, but it's not somebody you're attached to. So here's my question, just to play devil's advocate here. Um what happens you can't pass safe, safe sport? What? You, you, what happens when you can't pass safe sport? Or what happens when 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 you do something similar again is he's being the league concluded that he engaged in abuse and emotional misconduct. Well, if you abuse and emotionally misconduct four, five, six, seven, eight, nine year olds, then obviously you got a problem. I, I think you got a problem if you do it to adults. Well, yeah, you got a problem if you do it to adults. I mean, it's way more uh, and, and be honest, it's probably easier to get upset with adults and lose your tongue with adults, but. If you can't handle kids and saying, oh, it's okay and fine. And for me, it's like almost like he's got to fall in love with the game again, right? Start with the grassroots. Okay. Yeah. I mean, definitely interesting for sure. Let me ask Uh, you this question. Yes. Go ahead. Completely off topic or off this topic. Okay. This guy's warming up on the field. What? Watch the Tottenham game and this guy's warming up on the field. Okay. Well, what's your question? Uh, my question is, all right, so you as a coach, you go up to a player and you say, hey, I'm sorry for not playing you as much as I would like to. Would it, like, when you, if you go and say that to a player, does yeah. that mean you want to play them more, you just can't? Or is it just, hey, you haven't been up to the stand? Like, what does that mean? Well, I don't know that I would ever, like, end the sentence that way. What? Sorry for not playing you as much. Wish I could play you more. Right. Like I feel like you have to give some explanation behind that. I feel like that's just a. I, I, to me, it's an empty statement. I've had to say that a couple of times this this past week because of the evaluations that I had with Odessa, um, and my 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 response has been there hasn't been anything particular I did wrong. The players in front of you were just better. Yeah. And they were just performing better. And for the betterment of the team, we needed those players or those players were going to be more impactful at the moment than you potentially were. Not because you were doing anything wrong and you wouldn't be impactful. Those players are just, at the time, were more impactful. Right place, right time kind of thing. Yeah, matchups, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, it's there's, it, it, it's all encompassing. But So I've had to have that conversation recently. Um, I don't know that I would ever just say, um, I wish I could have played you more. Sorry. And that's it. Unless you're Pep Guardiola, right? Yeah, I mean, why? Was it something specific that happened? Did you say this or what happened? No, um, no I, said, I, I did say it this year to one player, but it was also... It wasn't his fault, per se. Okay. It was a player... We had to switch jerseys because we're the home team in a tournament. Yeah. And, you know, when you put in every message before you go to a tournament, the player forgets his jersey. So don't start. He also had to run to the car to go get it. So he doesn't start, but it kind of messes up kind of like the rotation that you wanted the sub players in where like you might move a player to a different spot. Like, you know what I mean? It kind of messed up the rotation. Okay. And the kid ended up taking his place, ended up suffering because of it. Um, but he understood. I was just like, dude, it just got weird. Wait, 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 wait. So kid forgets his jersey. Yep. Goes to the cars and get gets it. So that this kid that forgot the jersey was gonna be a starter. Yes. So the kid that starts for in in place of him suffers? Because of the rotate, like when I sub him off. Like, this would have been a kid I would have subbed on with, like, more of the subs. Yeah. Like, not, probably not one of the first players off the bench. Okay. Suffers because, again, the other player, 
know, comes on after 10 minutes, starts playing better. Um, but then he kind of loses minutes where he probably would have played like the middle stretch of the game where this player is now playing the middle stretch of the game. Gotcha. Okay. Where that player is getting like a consistent, the player that subs in. Was the player, was the player upset? No, he understood. He was a good good kid. Wait, so you unprompted told him that you wish you could have played him more? Yeah. Felt bad for the kid. Wait, why did you feel bad for him? Because I didn't play him more. Should have played more. But the other kid was just playing better. So then what was the best thing for the team? Well, it was 1-1. John won the game. (laughs) Right, but no, that's I'm asking. What was the best what was the best decision for the team? I mean, either decision would have worked. Okay, but why did you choose one over the other? Well, I chose well, I chose the other I chose the kid that came off the bench because he started and typically I say after halftime, go with the starting group unless something is broke. Right. Time I'm up one nothing. Um ironically the kid that comes off the bench scores the goal. So wait, so did you start the second half with the kid that forgot his jersey or without the kid that forgot his jersey? Without the kid. Okay. So the that other kid started both halves. Sorry, both both halves. Okay. I'm still trying I'm still trying to find, figure out so that kid still got less minutes than the other kid. Yeah. <clears throat> the other kid scored. Would he have gotten more minutes than the other kid had he not started? Probably he would have got more consistent minutes. He probably he would have came on. So he would have come on and played yeah. like the middle stretch of the half. Yeah. And then come back off. Okay. Instead so of coming on so here's why I don't think here's why I don't think you need to apologize for anything. And here's why I think it's a good learning experience for every player. It's also the second game I've ever coached this kid. That's fine. But I had no idea. Regardless. Good good lesson for two reasons. One, um, you can't ever get too comfortable with the idea that you're either gonna start or not start or whatever. Um and I think not only that, I think you also have to learn how to play the stretch of minutes that you're given and and take advantage of that. You can't, if it takes you 20 or 30 minutes to be able to, uh, 20 or 30, let's just say 20 minutes, let's just say it's a 40 minute half and you go 10, 20, 10, right? And you, you play that middle 20 minutes and it takes you that 20 minutes to be able to consistently perform. And that's a look in yourself as a player and potentially you as a coach that then needs to structure your training environment to make sure that that kid can can find himself in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Right? Sense. So I don't know that you would have to apologize for that. Um, I think ultimately I'm all for it. Listen, I in the past I have for sure um, been a big fan of consistency across my starting lineup. Um, I think this year with the boys, I don't remember the, we might've out of 15 games, we might've started the same starting 11 back to back, maybe two games, maybe two, maybe two sets of two games where we started the same, but we never did. Yeah. Because it no, had, I, I, I think it had to do with, I think for with boys. I think the boys game is a lot different than the girls game when it comes to setting a starting lineup. I think on the girls side, it, it becomes easy to set a starting lineup just depending on again it depends on availability who's there yeah i mean i i also i don't know i feel like i did that same thing with the girls last year too where i switched starting lineups all the time i mean we did it with the diamonds we we changed quite a bit mostly again because of player availability yeah that's what um, i'm saying like i feel like on the girls side i mean you myself and chad um we would always just set a lineup based on who was there yeah, you're trying to figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, she I could sit there before the game and be like, yeah, "All right, yeah. we got these, you know, players. She's not here. She's not here. Let's let's move this player here." But I also think, I also think, from a circumstance perspective, you're always trying to. I'm not saying you have to give every kid an opportunity to start a game, but I do think it's good to see what they can do. No, oh, absolutely. When they to throw them in a situation where they've never been before, and I think so. I think that would be. That would be kind of where I went with it. Like I would, I would, I would focus on that. Um, I told that kid that said he'd never start a game again. I was like, "You suck on in the field as a starter. You're better off the bench." That's what he told him. Someone ever, 
So if someone ever told you that, he's like, no. It's like, next time you come off the bench, think about, I said, I'm going to start you. And I said, like in another game, we had this conversation. I said, I'm going to start you. I was like, watch what happens when you come off the bench. He's like, yo, you ain't lying. Yeah, but but the, again, I go back to that being a, because just as you started the episode, giving yourself praise for a girl scoring a goal, I think you have to take the a little bit of the responsibility of the fact that your players aren't mentally ready to play at any given point. Yeah. Right? I think you... I, well, I think he's also a player that has to visually... I think for some players, they, again... I get that part of it. I get that part of that, that there are players that need to visually, I've had this instance instance before where I potentially haven't laid out cones for starting positions. And I just tell them, and sometimes players need to see it, even though it's the same four, three, three that we've been playing all year, they still need to physically see it. And I I understand that part of it. Um, But I think, yeah, I think, I think if you're, especially at 13, 14 years old, you have to have the ability to be able to start at any given point if you're playing in a competitive environment. Absolutely. So, I mean, got, I mean, listen, especially on the boys' side, I'm going to just be ready to go to war. <laughs> got RPG strapped to their shoulder. Oh my God! Just don't do that. Don't say that. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> be ready to catch a body out there. No, no, stop. Um, all right, uh, player of the match. Uh, my my player of the match is going to go out to Columbus Crew. You know, you had to give it up to to the team that wins sometimes, and Chucho, and they won Chucho, man, Chucho, um, twenty four year twenty four year old Chucho, um, yeah. So that's my player of the match. Yours? Yeah, my player of the match is going to go out to um. To um, Luis Muriel. Okay. From uh, Atalanta. Yeah. It was a sick goal yesterday. Back heel goal. Milan got a red card probably like a minute or two beforehand. Seeing the game out. They're up 2 1, trying to see the game out. Get a red card from their captain. And Luis Muriel, man, good turn and a little back heel finish into the back of the, to the far post. Nice. Not the near post. Far, far post. post. Three so want to shoot. <laughs> um, all right. On this day in soccer history, I scored a sick goal. Oh, yeah. Mind or, yeah. I mean, like, talk about like landing on your shooting foot. Like, I did that unintentionally, put it in the far post, landed on my shooting foot. Unconsciously competent. I should have brought the VO out, man. <laughs> I'd still be, I, I would have submitted that to Sports Center top 10. It was a good goal. <laughs> I was hey, listen. I'm on a little hot streak. I scored the past two weeks. You know, making a full score. Look at you. Finally won a game. Well, that's good. <laughs> listen. <laughs> so here's the. So last week was the first week of the playoffs. Yeah. The seed. There's only four teams uh, in this like short league. They were the four seed playing the one seed. Smashed the one seed five one. So now we're playing in the final tonight. Nice. We're playing the whole season and playing in the final tonight. Look at you. Hey, man. You're, you're it's like you're like the MLS. Hey, I mean, look, listen, when, it, when the lights come on and it's time to play for something, we don't lose. There you go. I don't lose. Um, how bad did you lose to the team you're playing in the final? We actually tied them. We only played them once. Okay. And that was the first game we tied them 2 2. Okay. So, yeah, our, our one. Not lost, <laughs> but all of our games are one goal games. Like if you look at the other results, people that lost lost by like four or five goals. Or like oh, so you goals. all right? Okay, somebody. Everything's bad. everything's been competitive. Not right. worth losses, two goals. All right, we ain't losing the night though. Um. All right. So my um my fair play of the match, uh, my dance name is fair play of the week, goes to kind of where where my where our on this day in soccer history starts. And this is not a hundred percent a soccer related. On this day in soccer history, but I think it directly affects soccer and football around the world. So 45 years ago, uh, December 10th, 1948, the General Assembly of the United Nations um, in the aftermath of World War II II, um, adopted the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, um, which made Human Rights Day um, December 10th. 
Um, and where I think, um, where, where I think it it fits in with soccer is with everything we've seen from you know from freedom you know freedom equality justice, um, the racism aspect of the game that that we've seen a ton of um, in the last few years that was always there. Um, it just took a long time, and you think. You think about when this human rights um, uh, declaration was adopted in 1948, and it took us 70 years to really, like, I think to truly start doing something, at least from a sports perspective about it. Um, obviously, there's been a ton of milestones along the way, um, but from a from a world perspective, the fact that it's 2023 and we're still still trying to figure this out. Um, I think it's I think it's difficult, but at the same time, I appreciate the fact that that it's there, um, and I appreciate all the people that are that are working hard to make sure that that its ultimate goal is met. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where where it is for me. Yeah, the thing about human rights, and I just I don't know where where this came. It has nothing to. Do, I mean, yeah, it has something to do with human rights. Okay, I think the rights of players who um, don't play in any of these high-level leagues um, is being affected massively. I've been to two college showcases this year. I mean, obviously, they're still united to smaller showcase. You're dealing with the one in Raleigh. Yeah. But I think the amount of coaches has extremely diminished because coaches are flocking to, to, to clubs or events that are they got letters in front of their events, specific yep. letters. Yep. Um, I think you're what you're doing is you're losing out on talent, and you're, you're kind of sending the wrong message. Where now players have to be, spend more money to even think about getting recruited to go play soccer. Where some of these players in the first place are trying to get recruited to play soccer, even go go to college. Um, I think it's being massively affected where. You know, a lot of clubs are just going to these, or a lot of schools are just going to these events, and then um, you know players are missing out. Where there's some high quality players or some some good players that are playing that just you know don't have that level in their area, or you know just don't have the means to go play at that level. Because I've seen the number of coaches diminish year, yearly. Um, it's almost being like non-existent in some of these events. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think, um, I think part of the, I think the interesting part about it is, um, so in Division One, there's 331 women's soccer division, women's Division One programs, um, and then obviously the numbers go from there with Division Two, II, Division Three, and NAIA, and even JUCO. But I think when you look at the number of teams. So let's just say in the average roster size for a ECNL or girls academy team is 20. Let's just, just say just across the board. Some might have more, some have less. Let's just say 20 for the sake of the argument. Um, I don't know that all 20 of those players are actually actively looking to play college soccer, which I think is the hard part because not that you want to discredit their ability. If they want to ultimately play at the highest level, go for it. Like, Again, it happens in any other sport where you commit to something and you you reach a really high level and then you're like, ah, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to do this in college yeah, or, or beyond high school. Sure, sure. But I think the fact that I don't know what the statistics is is or what the statistics are of, of number of players per roster on average that ultimately get recruited to play college soccer. But if it's if it's less than half, I think that's the internal look that 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 has to be done. Um, if it's more than half, then you know you start looking at it and you're like, all right, well maybe you know, you know, is it a matter of you know I live in a X place and I need to be able to go to school in X community because I want to live close to home or whatever. And then at that point, you know, am I good enough or not good enough to play in that in that scenario? Um, but but if it's if it's less, then that means that it's definitely not a matter of those like one-off circumstances that you might have 
and it's more of like i'm burnt out i don't want to do this anymore um it's not worth it like it's yeah it's not i mean like you think about it right like if you play you're giving up weekends because of travel like i mean playing travel soccer you're gonna give up weekends that's why i always said if you're if you're division if you're playing division two and especially division three soccer you're doing it because you love the sport Mm -hmm. right like you're doing it because it's it's fun and you enjoy it and like you play at a high level right (laughs) you want to continue to compete you're not doing it for for the scholarship money for it so i think that's that's a big part of it um so yeah no i i i don't i don't disagree with your with your statement there yeah, I mean, obviously, there's events that everybody can go to, right? Like, yeah. it's put out there. Like, PA Classics is a good event where you see teams yeah. of all and Penn Fusion and FC Delco. They all have all these teams here. But the smaller ones, I think, there's a must, massive the, competition for. Or the specific when you're when you're talking about, well, specifically, it's an ECNL event. Specifically, it's a GA event. It's it's well, and even 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 if you're a small, look, just just think about the fact that what if you're at a much smaller school that doesn't have the budget to be able to travel to three or four events a year, yeah, to go recruit somebody, right? Like, do do you now miss out because you don't find it? Like, so now you're now you're basically relying on your ability to have money, so you're fundraising in order to get more players, which. Again, I, I understand that's the name of the game, but at the same time, I like I think there's gotta be a way for local schools to still be able to bring local talent in that's at a high quality um to make their programs better. Yeah. Cause I mean I think that, that what what you miss out on are are the kids in your backyard, right? Because you're just searching, searching, searching nationwide. Yeah. These kids and you know some of these kids lo- fall in love with your school, think they love soccer, leave after a semester. And then some of the kids that are in your backyard are like, hey, I'm living at home. Like, it's not a big deal to me, but I could play. Yeah. I would love to play here. But, but yeah, I think that, I think that's where, it, it, I think right now, when you talk about recruiting, it's starting to trend the wrong way. Like, I think those events, those national, national events and the travel are good for the kids. But I think you're also, narrowing already a small population into a smaller population that's fair yeah that's fair that's the first statement so all right uh was that your fair play of the week sure (laughs) all right well thanks for joining us this week and remember always just leave the ball on your front foot